Hey everyone, welcome to the Rice People podcast. On this show, we talk to the innovators, creators, and thinkers doing some of the most interesting things in Asia. I'm Adil, and this is Wong Lei. We dive into their journeys, learn how they think, and cover why they're doing what they're doing. We hope to provide you the inspiration and insights you need to forge your own journey. You can access all our podcasts, including edited transcripts, show notes, and other resources to keep learning at ricepeoplepodcast.com. Our guest this week is our friend Rahul Imandira, one of the co-founders of Binjai Brew. Binjai Brew is a Singaporean craft beer brand that Rahul and his co-founder started while we were all living in the same university hostel back in 2018. What started as just a fun experiment grew to become a real business after they were forced to shut down operations in their university due to campus regulations. This not only earned them notoriety, but also strengthened their resolve to pursue their brewing dream and bring Binjai Brew to the masses. We talk about how they got started, touch on how they make and experiment their beer, the craft beer industry, the lowest point of their journey thus far, and also his take on the shifting taste of the newer generations. You can find Binjai Brew on tap if you're in Singapore at Gravy Bar and Restaurant at either the Tanjung Paga or Tanjung Katong outlet or at Sky Bistro at NSRCC. Or you can find all things Binjai Brew at binjaibrew.com or on Instagram at binjaibrew. And now, on to the show. So Rahul, I think the way I'd like to begin is to first understand more about the origin story of the business, like also what was your path prior to founding Binjai Brew and sort of how this business came to be. Could you start, uh, maybe start there? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so it started back uh, when I was in the fourth year of university. I had just got back from an internship in the US where I was interning at a brewery. Uh, and in the fourth year, uh, it's very stressful and there's a lot of stuff going on and we missed our exchange a lot. <laughs> so. <laughs> Me and two other friends decided to start brewing beer in our hostel. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, that's not against. Uh, that's that's against the rules, right? You can't make beer in a hostel in Singapore. <laughs> so, uh, a few batches down the line, we got caught, and we did an interview for the campus newspaper, the Nanyang Chronicle, because we thought nobody reads that, right? Which was just for fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up to that point, I don't think I'd read a, an issue of the campus newspaper. Uh, but then that that article got uh, blown up, and the Straits Times got wind of it, and then suddenly the whole of Singapore seemed to know who we were. <laughs> uh, and then from that point on, we thought that hey, you know, we might be able to give this a shot as an actual business after we graduate. So that's how this whole thing started two and a half years ago now. Yeah, maybe you could talk us through uh, brewing that first batch of beer while in NTU. I think while I was in hall, I also saw you guys like actively moving your fridges here and there and various mechanical yeah. contraptions. So talk us through that experience. So the first batch of beer, I think we didn't really want to spend a lot of money because we didn't know how long we we're going to do this for. So we searched for like the bare minimum equipment that we needed. And if I remember correctly, I think we spent uh, $300 on the equipment and like $50 on the ingredients. Uh, and then since we're using a recipe from the, the US, that was written in pounds and gallons. So pounds for weight, gallons for water. 
and we got the conversions a bit missed. Uh, so we added, I think, half the amount of water that we needed to add, which resulted in the beer being very alcoholic. But the taste was all right. It was just that alcohol concentration that was off. Uh, so so we, we redid that again with the exact same thing, just the right amount of water this time. And it came out all right. Like, it wasn't bad. So that showed us that, hey, you know, maybe we could actually make beer, right? We're not so bad at at, at it as we thought we might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you actually learn to make beer? Did you always like have an inherent interest in it that made you like seek it out on the internet? And also like how did you guys get all the recipes to make all the various types of beer that you serve today? I think my... I first got into beer when I went on this summer school trip with a bunch of friends. Like Wong Lei was there as well. Uh, and then we went through... Yeah, yeah, we went through Belgium, right? And then every time we went in the supermarket, the range of beer there was just amazing. You just pick up something off the shelf and it's going to be good. And it's not even expensive. And I think that's the first time I started drinking a lot of beer. And I might have drank too much, so I had to stop drinking because I, I saw myself getting a bit yes. fat. <laughs> uh, so then we had to do this internship in the US as part of our course requirements. And uh, I had to go through a placement agency to find the internship. And they were kind of useless, so they couldn't find an internship at like you know a big company kind of thing. So they were like, what else do you have in mind? I was like, what about a brewery? They're like, oh yeah, we can do a brewery. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go for that. So I was working at this brewery for like over the summer. And that's kind of where I learned how to brew beer. I didn't actually get to brew beer when I was there, but I saw it every day. So I kind of you know picked it up along the way. And then, of course, for recipes back in Singapore, I could always ask my supervisor to send some over, and he was like, yeah, sure, just wow. take it. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody cares, right? Yeah. So that's where we got all the information and uh, all knowledge from. Super cool, super cool. Can I ask, so is the sharing of recipe for beer, is that a very common practice? Because I thought that would be like trade secret for different breweries. Yeah, it probably, it probably would be if, if you're like, you know, Carlsberg or Heineken or like a big brewery and you want to protect it to some extent. But a lot of uh, what goes into craft beer is more about the branding rather than the recipe itself, right? So there's this example of a very famous beer in California. It's called Pliny the Elder, right? And so the recipe is all over the internet. You can brew it yourself at home. But if you tried selling it, nobody's going to buy it from you because it's the brand that people are going after, right? Like you might be able to convince somebody and say, oh, it is similar, but people are not going to be like, oh, I'm going to drink this instead of Pliny the Elder, right? So, so just to touch on that point, uh, for someone like me who's uninitiated in the whole beer and alcohol space, could you maybe briefly just talk about what's the difference between something like a craft beer and the more commercially available types of beer? So I guess the biggest difference between craft beer and commercial beer is probably the scale at which it's made. Although some of the very big craft beer players approach the scale of a commercial brewery. Um, other things include like the ingredients that go in. So commercial beer is, <coughs> the, the aim of commercial beer is to make the most amount of beer with the least amount of ingredients, right? But on craft beer, there's a lot of focus on what the resulting product tastes like. So you try to use good ingredients, you try to use the right amount of ingredients to get the right taste in the final product. Uh, and of course, a lot more experiment, experimentation. So using funky yeasts, throwing in some fruit, you know, all, all wild stuff, man, like throwing in lactose, 
would have thought? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so it results in very interesting, varied products. And I guess the it boils down to being experimental, the, the spirit to experiment. And that's the difference between craft and commercial. Yeah. Nice, nice. Oh, sounds like fun. Yeah, that's why you can just throw whatever. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And you're like, oh, okay, just throw it away. So what's the craziest thing you've thrown inside? For us... Okay, so we we didn't we don't go too crazy because I think and in general I think a lot of the brewers in Singapore don't go too crazy because at the end of the day they still have to sell it and they're very risk averse to like throwing away a whole batch because on our side we have to pay the customs tax, the alcohol tax, before you can start selling it, even if it's bad. So it's a very high sunk cost kind of thing. Uh so for us the craziest thing we threw in was uh bread that was past its expiry date and orange zest from oranges that had already been juiced. That was kind of crazy. I thought it was going to spoil the beer. Like, it worked out fine. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm super curious about the whole process of brewing beer, right? Especially in your own context. Like, can you run us through the step-by-step of like what goes into brewing beer and also actually what even goes into the beer, right? You don't have to reveal any like secret recipes, but maybe just a more general overview. Uh, so actually, brewing beer is quite simple. Uh, there are only four ingredients. So that's water, uh, hops, yeast, and malted barley. So malted barley is basically barley that barley grains that have been allowed to germinate slight, slightly, and that develops sugars and enzymes within them that we use later on. So the first step is crushing the barley and soaking it in water at about 68 degrees. And that allows the starch to be converted into sugars that the yeast can use. Then we take the grains out and we're left with this sugary solution called wort. Uh, And we take this sugary solution and we boil it for about 60 minutes where we add the hops. So the boiling process kind of pasteurizes the sugary solution and it extracts bitterness from the hops. So the hops are what give beer its bitterness and... Additionally, the compounds out of the hops help to preserve the beer as well. Um, After that, we cool down that solution and we add yeast and we let it sit for about two weeks, depending on the yeast. And the yeast convert the sugars into alcohol. And then after that, you just add carbon dioxide and you're done. Yeah, Yeah. it's not hard. (laughs) It's very simple. So, so where, where is the, the experimentation part? The experimentation part comes in when you add other ingredients to it and when you uh, tweak the amounts of the various ingredients. Is that where it comes in? Yeah, you don't even have to add other ingredients. Like within these four ingredients that I mentioned, uh, there are endless varieties to it. So you can play with the amount of grain that results, that changes the alcohol of the, uh, the, the beer. You can play with the types of grains. So you've got dark grain, light grain. That's why you get stouts. That's why you get wow. like lagers. That's only grains. Ah. Uh, hops. They're, they're like endless varieties of hops. So they give different aromas to the beer. Even the, when you add the hops, changes the resulting flavor. Yeast. Also endless varieties of yeast. Each imparts its own kind of characteristic to the beer. And what was the last one? Even water. So you add like mineral salts to the water and that results in like different tastes and profiles on your mouth, very slightly, but it's still like a variable that, you know, you have to control. So even without going beyond adding like other funky stuff, you can change beer in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's so interesting. Oh, so cool. Yeah. 
So, so why is Binjai Blue today uh, in, in the grand scheme of things? <laughs> uh, well, at the moment, uh, <laughs> we always uh, kind of uh, describe ourselves as cockroaches. Because <laughs> like, we're still like that beer brand that's hanging around for I don't know what reason. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's, that's how a lot of the other craft beer brands in Singapore viewers, they're like, how the hell are they still around? Like, where are they even selling their beer? Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where we are now. Because we sell it to three, three outlets permanently. Uh, but that also reflects a shift in our focus from last year. Uh, because we decided to stop selling cans, uh, as in packaging the beer, so we only have it on tap. And then we were trying to make it work with these three places that were on tap, instead of you know running around and trying to find new places all the time, but then not being able to support the existing places. So, yeah, it's like a bit of an experiment in this current model, I guess. So that's where we are. What is your ultimate dream for Binjai Brew? I guess the okay the realistic dream was to yeah. probably have like you know a place where people can come and have the beer and like chit chat hang out kind of thing. Uh, I guess that stems from our experiences with uh, with other craft beer places overseas. So the nearest example for me would be Little Creatures in Perth. So uh, in Fremantle, they have their brewery. It's a nice, nice, nice chill place to hang out and the community comes there as it's done. Obviously now Little Creature is very big. They're owned by another commercial beer brand. Yeah. It's not the same. But yeah, if we could have that, you know, in Singapore, it would have been cool. Nice. Wow. Yeah, that would be nice. Actually, um, I'm wondering, how, how do you think it would be different if you had started Binjai Brew in another, in another country versus starting in Singapore? Oh, that's an, int- this, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't think anybody has asked us that. Uh, huh. I'm not sure. But I feel like to start in another country, we probably have needed more money. Um, oh. Cause, Why do you say that? I don't know. Because every example I can think of, like that craft beer place has had their own brewery or their own like uh, restaurant or pub it's it was quite rare to start off um, just selling directly to customers or directly to businesses without having their own establishment yeah was, even even the brewery I interned at like they had their own brewery even though they're very small so you were able to sell beer without having your own like production facilities why was that possible in Singapore I guess because there were enough places that are that, that there are craft beer places that you know you can sell the the beer to to get the exposure. I yeah in the US, uh, at least in California, it was more that it was more like restaurants would want to offer a selection of beers, but over here it's like restaurants only they want to just keep their beer menu small but fortunately we have a bunch of places that came up that want to sell craft beer like so you get the exposure from there um, and then you can slowly work your way in that way so I guess that was a slight difference oh, yeah but even like little creatures they started with their own brewery that's actually an interesting question I haven't thought of that before 
And right. yeah, I'm not exactly, I'm not like 100% sure of that answer, but it's what I can think of right now. Cool, 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 cool. So how did you find the partnerships you've had so far? You know, like even getting someone to produce the beer with you, as well as like the distribution partners you've secured who have put you on tap. How, how did these partnerships come about? Okay, so for the, so for the first place that we brewed at, uh, that was at Bukit Batok. And we found that guy through somebody we met at a craft beer conference that we went to in 2018. Like, we just happened to be there, I don't know for what reason, and then this guy started talking to us, and we were just telling him at the time, like, oh, no, we're looking to set up this. And he's like, oh, no, I know somebody with a brewery in Singapore, I can refer you. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, we, we, we didn't know anybody, so that was, like, just this fortunate thing that happened. And then now, of course, we, we moved to brewing at Brewworks, and that was because... Uh, uh, it's because an NTU professor introduced us to his friend who was a brewer at Brewworks. Wow. And then we became closer to them during uh, after Circuit Breaker because we went down to brew a beer together. So then it just transitioned into that. Um, and as for the places that sell our beer currently, we one of them is my primary school friend. So oh, <laughs> he just nice. happens to own oh. the restaurant. So it made things just a lot happens. easier. I hadn't talked to him for, I think, since primary school. And then, yeah, it just happened that I found out he owns a restaurant and I just asked him, like, dude, you want to sell beer? Yeah. In F&B, it's quite a lot of who you know, really. It's it's no such thing as you go in and like, oh, wow, I sell this beer. Oh, wow, I'll take your beer even though I don't know you. (laughs) Cool, cool. I'm thinking if relationship is so important in F&B, then as someone that is very young, how do you build trust with restaurant owners or distributors in yeah, the F&B it's, industry? It's quite hard. Um, yeah, a lot of times they're like these old men that want to, you know, they have their own ideas of what works. Um, and I, I honestly don't know because I don't think we've actually managed to crack that. It was always somebody who we know or somebody who refers us. It was very rarely somebody totally new who we're going to go in and be their friend. Uh, but then, uh, but then, then it's more like whoever you find to refer you, you have to go with who they refer you to, rather than be like, oh, I want to go there now. Let me find somebody to refer to me to there. Right? You have less control over where you're gonna go. Uh, yeah, yeah, and even so, it's just like these connections, these random connections that we made. Like somebody at the gym knows, like the boyfriend owns a restaurant. And then sometimes you can leverage off like, oh, do you have any other friends who run restaurants? Because usually like managers will know another restaurant manager. So that's how we got one connection. But it was, yeah, I I can't think of an example where we convinced somebody who's not a friend already or like not a mutual friend. It's hard (laughs) is what I'm saying. Well, it, it will also help if you give them, like, you know, generous rebates and stuff. Because money helps. But short of that, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think it's possible. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. If you find out, please let me know. <laughs> so, so this path of uh, selling the beer on tap is one distribution channel, right? 
But I saw at least during the COVID period, you guys were also doing some direct-to-consumer, like delivering cans directly to your customers. So how, how did that go and what was the thinking behind stopping that distribution channel? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, you, yeah we circuit breakers like every day out doing deliveries. Um, doing direct-to-consumer was nice because a lot of times they when we showed up, they were surprised. Like it's actually the owners showing up to deliver and they'd be like, oh, here, have like a cookie or have a drink. Uh, it was really nice to see the people who actually buy a beer and have a small talk with them. Uh, and then we kind of decided to stop doing it because one, it takes up a lot of time to fill the cans. We used to fill them like one by one. And and then like the whole cost of like storing them, delivering them, it didn't really make sense. Especially when you compare it to selling direct to a business where you just take a 20 liter keg, put it there, end of story, you're done. Right? Uh so so yeah, we made that decision. Of of course it was hard because you know, a lot of people are like, Oh man, you don't deliver anymore and then it was hard and then hopefully someday we'll get it back when we're able to run a bigger batch so we can use a canning line, a canning machine. Um, but yeah, for now, it doesn't make sense cause of, just because of the cost involved. Yeah, yeah. That must have been a pretty cool meeting your customers, especially since everyone was cooped up at home during the COVID period. So and, and in this relationship between you and your co-founder, Hitesh, how do you guys split the work in terms of running the business, like the finances, marketing, actually brewing the beer? How, how did you guys work that out? Hmm, it kind of came down quite cleanly because he's better with like, you know, the website stuff. And so he's do, he does that. Um, and he does the accounting and financial side of things. Then I make the beer because that's how I started. And what else? Oh, yeah, I do Instagram because he can't take photos for shit. His photos are terrible. I don't know if you've seen them. <laughs> it's like, no, please don't. It's I've bad. seen many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, so somehow, somehow our talents just don't overlap. <laughs> so it's just nice that, you know, it was easy to split. And there's some things that we both just do. And, and, and who, who, who is the one writing all the Instagram captions? Oh, that's me. That's me. <laughs> he, he doesn't touch Instagram at all. <laughs> it's me. Mostly me. Which, is, which gives me great power. Because sometimes I can, you know, make Pegro comments about his the way he does for <laughs> it. Is, it's great, you know, it's, it's, it's the identity of our company right now. <laughs> Actually, I think that the identity of Binjai Brew as a, as a brand really comes out through the Instagram. The, the dynamic between the two of us. Yeah. Was it intentional? I think it always just like, it's a, it was more of like a thing to re- reject a curated image and just be who we wanted to be. Right, because if you have your own company, why would you be want to be anybody else other than who you are? Right. <laughs> Otherwise, if you're gonna you know pretend to be somebody else and just go work for somebody else, it's not that hard. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe just to take this conversation uh, a bit as uh, if we zoom out a bit, looking at the larger uh, beer or craft beer space in Singapore, actually, you would love to get some of your thoughts on like how. What's your thoughts on like? Uh, Today, most of the consumers becoming more health conscious and, uh, you know, and a lot of these uh, large beer brands start uh, producing non-alcoholic beer to cater to this market. Yeah, what's, what's your take and uh, does that have any impact on a business like yours? Yeah. Um, you are right in saying that, you know, people are more health conscious. But I, I do believe that that translates into 
something that's more like I'm not gonna drink as much, but what I drink, it doesn't necessarily have to be like super healthy. Uh, and and it definitely shows like among our age group, like people don't drink as much as like somebody who's twenty years older, and they don't drink as a personality trait. That's for sure. Alright, like you see those old uncles, like, hey bro, take another one. Like, bro, why? Like, there's no point. Like, just enjoy your beer, dude. <laughs> so I think that's how it translates in our generation, rather than like I'm gonna drink zero alcohol beer, uh, and especially because like why would you drink something that doesn't taste nice just for the sake of your health? Like zero alcohol beer honestly tastes horrible, and there's no point to it. <laughs> I and I don't think that Heineken Zero sells that well. Uh, given the amount of money they put into advertising that stuff, um, so I think that's actually a, a big plus for craft beer because a lot of the beer that produced is produced as craft beer is stuff that you can't drink a lot of. They're like heavy stouts or like very high alcohol beer that you just want to enjoy, like maybe half a pint, uh, and and that's okay, right? Right. Um, uh, to be fair. If zero alcohol beer is done properly, it's all right, but definitely the price point needs to come down. There's no way that people are paying close to the same price for something that doesn't have alcohol in it. Because straight up, like the alcohol tax is what makes the price difference, regardless of the method behind it. So it's interesting to see how it evolves. Um, but also, I think craft beer brands are more poised to capture that shift in tastes rather than commercial brands yeah so so maybe in summary you're saying that uh, people are drinking less but whatever they drink or that that little amount that they drink they want to make sure that it's good yeah they're here for a good time not for a long time <laughs> yay nice <laughs> nice nice <laughs> oh yeah so I guess I want to build on this is I'm curious who, who are the customers for Binjai Brew are they people from our generation or it actually ranges? Um, so, okay, back when we were selling cans on our website, I, from personal observation, uh, uh, the customers were kind of split between rich expats <laughs> who just used to go for 24 cans at a time. And, uh, and so people who are slightly older than us or about our age, but like, they, you know, they have a house and like, they're, they're married and kind of stable. So, so how to categorize them? Oh, couples who, who don't have kids. Yes. <laughs> so they have money to spend on these kind of things. And they want to treat themselves a bit. Yeah. So it was kind of split within those two groups of people. Uh, oh, the, the Rich Expats was more so because of my Facebook ads. Because I kind of tried to target them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a great demographic to have. And I think also yeah. they like the brand. Because it's kind of, you know, rebellious a bit. So maybe that's why they went for it. Would you say that like ordinary Singaporeans like like, like me <laughs> are less less particular about brands but more price conscious? Uh hmm. There is a group that is price conscious. I will give you that. But increasingly more so people do care about the brand behind the product. Um and whether or not they identify with that brand. Uh so to an extent, they are willing to pay a little bit more if it is a bit more expensive. Just because, you know, the brand, right? 
like uh, I give you an example like this this body soap I use is from the UK and they have this very nice like write up on the on the bottles <laughs> so I pay more for that because I like that write up and the smell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a personal That's anecdote a great like we all have that 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 personal yeah. thing right like I don't know what yes. it it might be for you for ideal I know it's his uh, electronics <laughs> his choice <laughs> of electronics <laughs> oh, of course, right of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah we have that certain thing that we are willing to, you know, identify with the brand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe now uh, let's uh, uh, probably want to take this conversation to a more uh, reflective place. Uh, maybe we'd love to, love to understand from you, I guess throughout the entire journey of uh, two and a half years of uh, bringing uh, Binjai Brew to where it is today, there's, there has been some like difficulties, challenges and, and uh, tough times, yeah. Maybe you could share with us a little bit about probably what was the lowest point for you in the entire journey so far. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think the lowest point well, it happened sometime last year. I think it was in November. I know it's Friday the thirteenth, It just happened to be, uh, and I and at that point we were actually like, oh, we should stop doing this. Uh, because I don't know, it was a very stressful week, and we couldn't fulfill our deliveries because of we didn't manage to fill in, fill in, fill enough cans, and then we just sat there like, "What are we doing?" Uh, felt like failures. Um, and I think that was probably the moment that we <coughs> that that got us to think of how to make this work without doing the cans, right? Uh, and okay, saying that we wanted to stop doing it was probably an emotional decision at that time, but it was it seemed quite real. But and then maybe we took a few days, <coughs> and then we realized okay, the solution is probably not to close down, but to um, to find another way of doing this uh, rather than continuing continuing with what we'd be doing up to that point. Yeah, that was quite a low point. Just just to dig a little deeper on that, so so what was the driving force that eventually made you guys decide to keep going? Uh, I think so. So for Hitesh and me, I think we just didn't want to stop until we knew that we really couldn't do anything more. Because although it seemed hopeless at that point, there was, it still seemed like something else could be, could be done. We just didn't know what. Right? Right? Uh, and I think Hitesh also very strongly believes that like, he he should keep trying until there's really nothing else and then okay fine if we we tried everything then okay cool it's good to go it's more like the no regrets kind of thing right yeah i i feel you because well right now i'm also building my own startup and i think it occurs sometimes that 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 kind of anxiety sense of failure rejection and the whole idea like you never you will never know whether you can really make it or not and whether you have like got it in you to make it. I feel like it can be quite overwhelming. So thanks for being open and sharing. Yeah. yeah. As in we always chat with you guys about struggles. <laughs> right? yes. It helps it helps yeah. a lot to know that uh, you know other people also go through it mm. and you're not the only one. I don't know, in some weird way it helps. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It does. Startup life. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Actually, what would be your advice to someone who, who comes to you to say that he or she wants to start a brewery? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> 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 no, i probably say that first. <laughs> and then, then I'll be like, oh, really, do you do want to do it? Uh, then, then I'll go like, okay, if you do it this way, you'll face these problems and you, this is how you'd want to try to avoid these problems and good luck, right? <laughs> I'm not going to stop them from doing it. Just, you know, make them more aware of the problems they're going to face and how they can over- avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> but so also, what would be... <laughs> so what would be the, like, the challenges that you would definitely remind them to be aware uh, of it's really just about uh, sell, selling it because a lot of places have these these tie-ups with existing distributors and it's very hard to break it because the distributors give them very good terms right like if it was you, you yourself you wouldn't also break that contract um, so yeah just that and then realizing this whole industry is based on relationships that have been formed over many years so it's hard to come in as somebody new and suddenly expect to change that overnight so you do have to be prepared to be here for a longer time than you think you'll be here and it slowly does change like the longer you're around the more people are like oh yeah it's those guys again (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, so yeah just it's just that that mentality for the the time frame needed to actually do something (laughs) it's not going to happen in months probably going to be years which are which is a long time yeah 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 yeah. i like that mentality i think there's this this term right called the lindy effect where the idea is the older something is the more likely it is to be around in the future right which is also something like the cockroach (laughs) uh, as you were mentioning earlier (laughs) yeah yeah like as unflattering as the analogy is (laughs) it's quite true yeah maybe maybe uh something fun so I guess for most customers, they don't really get to see much of what goes on behind the scenes in the running of Binjai Brew, right? But what is uh, something interesting and probably very few people know about Binjai Brew? <laughs> I think sometimes people think there's there's like more people running this. And they're like very shocked when it's like, really just the two of you? Uh? Right. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. And then sometimes, like, you know, if we're, we're talking to somebody by email, Somebody who's corporate and whatnot. We just we just put different job titles on the email signature. <laughs> so like some days you're just procurement manager, some days you're you know head of HR. Whatever you wanna be, you know, we just put it in the email. <laughs> and that's what that's what we do. We have secret identities. Yeah, I can I can see that in your in your in your Instagram captions is right. Legal told us that we need to uh, <laughs> Yeah yeah yeah. Exactly yeah yeah true. <laughs> the marketing department, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, the marketing department is me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's that whole <laughs> I think that's a good analogy for like how, you know, when you're running your own business, like you have to be everything, right? Every role is uh, you and your co founders, yeah. Yeah, just like dealing with stuff with humor, I guess. It it helps to laugh it off. So that's one of the ways we do it. So actually, so I think I think I have one question. So just now I asked about if someone comes to you for advice, what would you tell the person? You said you shouldn't do it. So if you can travel back in time, back to when we were in year four and you were just starting out and you just started brewing Vijay Brew, what would you tell yourself? 
Yeah, would you still do it? The the answer to that question changes depending on the day, la. <laughs> So, so some days I would say yes. <laughs> some days I would say no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are really some days you're like, shit. <laughs> why did I start this? Um, but it has been an interesting journey, and we have done a lot of cool things that I don't think I would have done, uh, if I didn't start this. Uh, like one of them was being on radio. Can you imagine like whatever you speak is like going out straight and people hear it straight. And that was like mind blowing. Like it was so cool. Like I've been in newspapers like so, but radio was like amazing. Uh, and just just for the small experiences along the way and like the people that we know know through that, and also like like the friends who you know supported us. I I feel like it's made us closer to our friends as well. Because they're kind of invested in our struggles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so there's a lot to it that was worth it, I would say. And I guess we're still young. So, you know, it's something cool to look back on. But it's hard to, like, right now, if, if you tell me go do it again, I'm like, wow, <laughs> no, <laughs> once is enough. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I wish I could be like very super positive and optimistic about it but that's that's the honest answer yeah I think I think sometimes how I see it is when you look back at all the hurdles and challenges you have overcome it, it was really quite painful and if you really have to go back and then you have to do all that again I, I think like I feel like it's quite it's quite scary yeah, like, for myself at least yeah so it's I think it's not that easy to say, yes, I will do it all over yeah, again. Yeah. Okay, so on this note, let me end the, our very good conversation today with Rahul. Yeah, thank you Rahul for joining us. I think it was a very, very, very interesting conversation. I think even though we're very close friends, but I think we seldom have this sort of deeper conversation about like our different struggles and, and also like looking more into the beer industry as well. So, it was a very fun conversation for me. Hopefully, it was one for you too. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. (laughs) If you like what you heard, please help us subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know what you think and tell us who else you want on the pod. You can go to ricepeoplepodcast.com where you can find every episode of this podcast complete with transcripts and show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week.